Hi folks, Gavin Fort here with another edition of Remotely Interested. Um, this week I caught up with Patrick Walker. I've never been satisfied. Paddy, also known as User Engine. Uh, what a dick. Uh, releasing on Step Back Records. Like, like the failed hopes and dreams of so many people. <laughs> Uh, and also part of Ford Strategy Group. Smoke will start coming out of it. We chatted about hard techno, unnecessarily hard field recording, teaching, um, compressors. I mean, all that's bollocks. It's basically just a, a stereo compressor. Hi, Gav. Hey, how's it going? Not bad, man, not bad. Can you hear me okay? I can, yeah. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, all good, man. All good. I've got some headphones on. I thought I'd try them out. Yeah. I don't need to hold the phone against my ear, man. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I know 5G, it'll get you. I know, man. I'm not having any of that shit, like, eh? <laughs> <laughs> bad enough with the COVID floating around, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually sitting looking uh, at my, I'm pretty sure every every producer or techie type has got one of these, like a, a big massive box with loads of shit that they bought that was once like, oh, I really need that. Uh, I can't do anything without it. And uh, yeah, there's like broken compressors and cables. I thought I needed like, hey, it's, uh, it's, it's the misery box. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I know, I know it well. I've got a few of those, I think. Um, I've had because I've had to I've emptied my studio I had a wee studio sort of space down in Grant and I've had to bring everything home um, ah, so right. just stuff I've sort of been hoarding and just having to go through it and go oh, do I really need that I mean the first thing mm-hmm. to go was just like cardboard just boxes cardboard yeah. boxes that things came in I know I mean I don't know I don't know what your thought is is on it but you know a lot of synth folk will hang on to hang on to all oh, the original totally. packaging but I just yeah, I, I can't I just don't have space so the cardboard boxes have had to go all to get recycled and now I've now I, I've, I've got a pile of um, manuals and I'm going through them and going oh surely all this is online now isn't it I mean you know a lot of a lot of gear now they'll sort of they'll put it out you buy it before they've even finished, like finished making it in a way, don't they? Because they bring out yeah up, updates and stuff. So the manual you get is not even finished. It's, it's pretty pretty obsolete. A lot of the manuals, like hey, I think the only the only manual or packaging, like I, I, I I've got a shelf in in the living room that are actually IKEA, but you would think that they were made by Electron given all the boxes that are on top of them like it. So I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people that hoards boxes and things like that. But the only one that I've got recently that actually had a proper manual and actually looked nice and it was like felt like it was worth keeping was uh, a, a Moog, uh, the, the DFAM. Uh, and that's got some kind of nice paper produced kind of looking stuff like it. That, that'll probably keep for a while, but everything else. I think I've got a... Is it, yeah, it's a bit the Behringer, the... Uh, the Model D thing that they made that I don't even think that had a manual uh, right. came in a bin bag 
that's uh, that's 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 Behringer's seal of, like, seal of, a, of quality, you know. Came in the bin bag and leaving in the bin bag. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, it's, it's a decent piece of cat. So I've, I've got it next to the the, the Moog. Um, but yeah, they don't exactly go for high quality packaging. <laughs> that's that, do you know what? That's funny. Like I've got the, I just dug out. I've been going through the manuals and I dug out the DFAM one. I've got it to one side. I've got the grandmother as well. And it's, you know, same same style, but they're lovely manuals. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, nice they're, they're, kit. Yeah, I mean the gear's amazing and the manuals are great as well. But I'm going through old manuals and. I've actually got I've got a no Behringer one here and it's brilliant. Like it's bound. You know, it's got um can you hear that? It's got yeah. the, <laughs> you know it's it's a bound mat, you know, like hard sort of front cover. It's you know, it's wet it's it's brilliant. That's amazing. And it's like, you know, and it tells you it's all about how to, this this one's for a compressor. This one's for a compressor that I don't even have anymore, but I'm like, oh, it's quite a, it's quite a good read, you know, just on, <laughs> on um, compression and limiters and stuff. Do you know? What, do you know what I mean? It's like a great for a teaching sort of thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah. The the, the, compre- I, I, the compressor's I was actually. Say, you got that in your toilet. Put it in your toilet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I think I've, this this, this compressor is actually up at EHFM at the moment, helping to just even out their levels on the on the for the radio station. Yeah, Yamaha used to do some nice ones as well. I got uh, got a couple of old Yamaha samplers, and they had like quite colourful, nice looking manuals. But they always I, I remember buying was it the the A five thousand. God, do you know what I've, I've got and, the A three thousand here and the manual. Is massive, but it's a yeah, it's like a. Did you get lots of them? Like I, I think I got about four or five. Like, and I got this massive big box. It came all the way from Germany, and it was this massive box. And I swear, half the box was just manuals. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It was like four or five manuals, all in different different languages. And I was like, "Geez, this is a waste of paper." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't read any of them either. Oh. Did, did not did not bother reading the manual for that bad boy at all. But this one's. <laughs> Right, well, the A, I mean, yeah, the A three thousand, Yamaha A three thousand. I'm sort of trying to sell it because I just don't, obviously don't use it at all. But I don't know if anybody would. But I mean, the manuals, mm. the manuals. It's A four. It's over three hundred pages long. You know, it's one of these ones you look at it and go, "Oh, that must be in every language in the world." But it's like, yeah. oh, it's not. It's all in English, and it's got what's it got? Nine chapters. Eight chapters plus the appendix. That's bananas. Kind of trying to decide whether they should go in the recycling or not. Um, yeah. So what? You, your misery box? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my my misery box is open at the moment because I've been rooting through it um, for cables and various bits and bobs. But I'm actually looking at just now. It's uh, it's a Behringer compressor that's in it. And it was the. I'm wondering if it's the same type as the one you've got up at. It's uh, the com- the composer. Oh God! The, uh, no, um, I I I had one. What? I used to have one. Of them. That's a channel strip, isn't it? 
No. It's, it's, it's the compressor. Um, Is it just a compressor? It's not a. It's not a sort of vocal yeah, channel so strip it, with a mic pre and. Nah. Uh, it's not that one. Nah. It's, I mean, it's quite well featured. It's the the full name is Composer Audio Inter Interactive Dynamics Processor Model, uh, and I mean, all that's bollocks. It's basically just a, a stereo compressor. Um, but this one actually has got a bit of history. It used to belong to Aqua Bassino. Oh yeah. Um, and I got it. Well, I paid about fifty quid for it or something like that. It was my first first ever compressor. Uh, and it's got Bacino written on it somewhere. And I remember going into an underground solution and saying, oh, I've just, I did chuffed, I've got this cheapy, shitty compressor. I was like thinking I was the dog's bollocks. Uh, and I was telling the guys in uh, underground solution about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that'll be Aqua Bacino. Um, so clearly he thought it was a piece of shit <laughs> and got rid of it. <laughs> but, uh, I have to say, actually, I, I used it uh, on a couple of early recordings and I had this really... Like, I mean, it's a, compared to like a decent compressor, it's it's not that great, but it's got this mad squashy kind of pumpy kind of feel to it, um, and you could basically just ram any kind of techno loops into it, and it would sound like a uh, a Steve Bicknell track or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just give it this kind of weird, weird kind of overtone or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's lived in the misery box for quite a while. Uh, I don't really feel the need to use it anymore, but uh, I like to look at it and just remember days gone by. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, it's, oh, it's so hard to chuck stuff out, isn't it? For... I know, I know. Every, everything's got a kind of like, I don't know, like a feeling attached to it, or you're like, oh, I remember that tune, you know, that I made, and can't remember quite how I made it, and I know mm. I used that box, and one day I'll go back and make another tune like it, and you know, well, in my case, I never do. <laughs> <laughs> well, things things do go round in circles, don't they? Cycles mm. have one we set up and then get bored of it and move, go back to something else, or it all kind of evolves. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, I mean, some bits from time to time, I, I actually was thinking about plugging in the five thousand. Well, yeah, because uh, I did I did a lot of stuff on that. That was pretty much my my, my central hub for years and years and years. And uh, what's what's getting in my way is I don't think that I've got a working zip drive or a working jazz drive. Uh, I've, got a, couple, I've got a couple of them. Have you? I mean, these things are like, do they, do they still work? I'm pretty sure I, I did see one uh, lying about in a cupboard, but I was like, nah, there's no way that'll work now. Like, hey, I'll turn yeah. it on and all, all the lights will dip or something like that. Like, smoke <laughs> will start coming out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I've got I've got a pile of zip discs because up until up until very recently, I was still using the MPC two thousand XL for live ah, right, for yeah. live stuff, and that runs off of zip discs. Yeah, I've got zip drives and various cables to get convert SCSI into God. Yeah, having to plug, trying even just even like. F- even like twenty years ago, trying to plug a a scuzzy zip drive into a Apple Tower computer wasn't oh God. was tricky, and you needed various adapters just to do yeah, that. Yeah, that was bananas. And then and then and then also kind of like, did you, did you ever take that out to play live with it? I used to take that kind of thing out live 
and it was just a disaster uh, thing. But it, it, it would always work on the night. Oh, the the computer. Uh, no, just zip drives, zip jazz drive. drives, that yeah. kind of stuff. You take it all out and you end up with a setup that looks like half your studio on stage just to play <laughs> a four-bar loop or something, you know? Totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what a, a convoluted uh, setup uh, to, to get things done. It's weird, weird to imagine now. I kind of uh, I look at things like these electron boxes, like the Digitact and uh, all of that kind of business, and I think, geez, all of the functionality that I used to want, it's, it's in you, in one box. Uh, I used to have to have like three or four boxes, the sequencer, the sampler, then all the cables and some sort of storage device. And it's, it's really good the way that they've managed to condense everything and make it all work mm. uh, in these, these little boxes nowadays. It's definitely a golden period for that sort of thing. Yeah. So it takes something away from it, though, doesn't it? I mean, you, yeah, you, you use Ableton Live quite a lot, don't you? I mean, the, the stuff you can do in with these things and just drag and drop and a couple of clicks it's yeah of, yeah it's amazing but also it sort of takes something away from i mean you don't want to be slaving over you don't want to spend hours trying to get like you say just a, a wee loop going but at the same time you almost don't want it to happen that quickly either no it's 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 a weird one isn't it like sometimes making things harder for yourself you know you get a, more of a buzz out of it when you actually achieve it or or what have you, but I remember when I used to use all, like, you know, all the hardware, like the A5000 and all of these kind of weird boxes and devices, and I, I sometimes I used to just spend days and days and days and days setting it up, putting loops into putting everything on the jazz drive, cutting things, which was always a bollock when it wasn't, you know, you couldn't even see the waveform, it was just numbers. Mm. Oh, I used to spend more time doing that than I did writing tunes, and um, Weirdly, after going back to software for or, or, or onto software, sorry, for many, many years and just using things like Ableton and plugins and stuff like that, I've got to a point now with uh, the Electron gear, which has got a very, very steep learning curve mm, to begin with. Yeah. Um, but once you crack it, the things that you can do with it and the workflow, I actually find it much, much faster uh, than Ableton, particularly for doing right. things like maybe algorithmic stuff or making stuff that sounds like Square Pusher or Tecla or things like that. If you want to do like weird um, algorithmic changing, ever-changing shifting drum patterns or uh, synthesizer patterns, actually the, the Electron workflow is very, very fast. Uh, and I actually don't do anything in Ableton anymore. I, I use it to record everything and to uh, maybe arrange things or edit things, but everything that I, I program now, it's all pretty much on on the machines it's it's almost 100 percent hardware now for for me nice so what, um, what have you got there electron so I'm, sponsored I'm by electron the, yeah yeah totally I, I should i should have a t-shirt now uh, i'm an electron fanboy um so i'm using the digitact uh the digitone and the analog heat um but the digitact is pretty much a lot of the sound design for that. A lot of the samples are being generated on the on the DFAM. Uh, uh, so pretty much designing everything on the DFAM, running that through the analog heat and some other guitar pedals that I've, I've got a bit of a collection of uh, guitar pedals at the moment. The Digitac's got an amazing way of programming, particularly when you use these things called conditional, conditional trigs. 
so you can like you can put things in like a, a step sequencer, but then you can assign different parameters to every step. So you can say, well, there's a, a 60% chance this will play or it won't play. Um, or you might put a note in between where it plays randomly, uh, but the filter cutoff will change on it. Um, so as these, as I say, it's very, it's very all tech or, or, or kind of square pusher or whatnot. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing how quickly you can get that kind of sound, particularly mm-hmm. if you're using strange, uh, synthesized percussion to begin with. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it make, makes very, very complex sounding rhythms that if I try to do that on Ableton, I mean, I, I, I did get quite into Ableton using things like follow actions and, all the kind of algorithmic stuff that you can do on that, but it's much, much more convoluted than uh, the way that the, the, the Digitax sequencer works. Um, and the Digitax got one way of doing it, but uh, the Digitone has a completely other way of doing it. So you can do all of the individual stuff on 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 the triggers, but you can actually use different voices to influence each other, uh, which it, it just takes it to a whole new level. Mm. So you've got your step, step sequencer influencing what's happening to every note, but then you've got another voice which is uh, adding in its 10 pence worth, if you like, um, which means that a lot of people kind of moan about the fact that the, the Digitone's got quite a short step sequencer. It's, uh, it's only four bars long. But if you use all of the, the kind of powerful kind of uh, stuff that you can do uh, with conditional tricks and stuff like that, you can make ever-evolving synth patterns that just meander and change constantly. Mm-hmm. Um kind of takes it to, to a whole new level so yeah great great sequencers and very very kind of once once you get over that kind of learning curve you can set things up so that you know you spend like i don't know uh, a couple hours programming uh, and it is programming um and then you can kind of step back from it press play and it'll do all the work for you you can run it all through a filter and play with it if, if, if you like you know nice. and, and, and kind of have that kind of stuff going on as well mm. so yeah the the, I'm, I'm definitely become a big fan of of the electron gear for that, and I believe that the workflow is quite similar on on their other boxes as well. Um, yeah, I've never I've never used one. Of the, I mean, I've heard great stuff about them, but I've, yeah, I've never used one. And it's one yeah. of these sort of things I don't really want to, because I'll just mm. want one, and then I'll be back to I'll be back to oh, square, totally. square zero, and I'll just start everything all over again. Classic. Yeah. It is a rabbit hole, definitely. I mean, I've I've been very tempted to to buy even more electron gear, mm. but um, I've kind of I've, I've I've hit a bit of a kind of I'm I'm satisfied, yeah. and, and, I, and I've I've never been satisfied with my <laughs> setup. I've always been changing it, and oh, I need this, I need to buy that. It's and, part oh, of the fun I, of it, though, as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah totally. It's like, it's like DJing, you know, you're a, you're a record collector, you're a consumer as well as a creator. Yeah, mm-hmm. always, always collecting and always curating, always putting things together. But yeah, I, I think I've, I've ended up in a weird position where I'm actually like Quite really happy, satisfied yeah. with the, the gear that I've got now, and I don't, I don't really think I would. I think I would maybe like one more Digitac just <laughs> for sake of uh, playing live, using them as in a DJ kind of sense. You know right. what I mean? Kind of chopping between the two of them. Um, oh, I've definitely, definitely found that when I've been playing live uh, with what I've got, it's definitely very, very good workflow. Sounds amazing. 
uh, very easy to kind of do that sort of thing. But I have found myself wanting more channels or um, wanting to do more stuff on the desk or mm. have things in a, in, a, in a more DJ kind of way. Like, hey, the, w- the way you describe it there sounds quite similar to a sort of Euro rack modular way of working mm. as well and the, the sort of results you can get from it from just you know spending a while programming or patching and then yeah. just pressing yeah. play and letting it do its thing so absolutely yeah see similarities there i mean i've got i've got a few spaces left in my rack for a few extra modules but yeah that's apart from that i've kind of that's enough really just need mm. to get on and make some play with it all <laughs> yeah, stop stop the setting up and the, the, the cabling and the patch and actually yeah. make some, some damn music like <laughs> I, I like yeah. I like both though. I do like just setting it up and getting it all to work. And getting yeah. things to getting things to talk to each other. Quite enjoy that. I think that's all it's it's definitely all part of the fun. I mean you can kind of you can see almost and hear in certain people's music when they're a gearhead, you know what I mean? That they, they live and breathe all of that kind of stuff. They're like not just, uh, you know, a, a, a inverted commas uh, producer. They're actually mm-hmm. a gearhead. They're really into it. You take people like Blawan or whatnot, you kind of mm-hmm. get the sense that, that that's someone that really likes kit, really likes fucking around with it. Um, and, and as a result, gets, gets sounds that aren't kind of tired or things that sound new. You can tell yeah. it's someone that's spent a lot of time dicking around with things um, <laughs> compared to well yeah exactly I mean uh, absolutely uh, very unique kind of sounds come uh, from doing that sort of thing uh, I think that's kind of part of the essence of it is noodling noodling is, is the way I would describe it Yeah, I think that's uh, the way that you can get the best kind of results okay. I guess depending on, on what, what sort of music you're doing I suppose um, but yeah, for electronic music, it, it, it kind of goes hand in hand, uh, doing your, your noodling and setting things up. And it's very, very satisfying, isn't it? But I guess it, on the other hand, it can be a bit frustrating if you were trying to do it in a kind of corporate, oh, I need to bang 10 tracks out in a week. Well, yeah. actually, that that ain't happening if you're if you're going yeah. about it that way, really. Like, hey. totally. <laughs> totally. You were saying about DJing. Have you lost some gigs or what? Have you had live stuff lined up and then postponed? For a while, I've actually been off that trip. I oh, yeah. kind of, I'll be honest with you, I've, I've been losing interest in all of the kind of showbiz kind of side of um, of, of of music for, for quite a while, actually. I've kind of more been interested in producing for other people or uh, been getting right into like... Uh, doing quite a lot of mix engineer type stuff that, that's something that I'm really enjoying um, for other people and mm-hmm. uh, as you know doing all the kind of like charity related stuff all the kind of uh, teaching and, and, and all of that kind of business I kind of was getting a bit long in the tooth with gigs I've been doing it since I was a teenager mm-hmm. uh, doing a lot of them and it kind of was just wearing me down quite a yeah, bit to be honest with you yeah yeah just uh, it's it's a young a young person's game really, um, and I'm quite happy to kind of uh, be put out to pasture. <laughs> you know, before I end up being like a you know an old bearded Gandalf looking type behind the decks, I think that would be a little bit uncouth. Um, no, I, I still have an interest. Maybe I, where I'm also kind of at with that is like I think that 
for me, I've always worked in cycles. So I have cycles where I just want to be in the studio and I just want to be mm-hmm. making tunes. And I don't really like, I actually, uh, over the years have found that I've, I, I've played in some, uh, venues where I was, I was playing at, um, Amsterdam dance event a oh, couple yeah. of years ago. And we're playing with Adam X and a few people like that. Now, Adam, I think is, uh, I, th- I think he's partially deaf. Um, he certainly has some sort of problem with his hearing. I think everyone I don't know. probably is by this point, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. Well, there's something with him that, like, I, I mean, when we were playing in this venue, it was loud. I mean, it was ridiculously loud. It was like, I, I had earplugs in, and it still felt like somebody was setting about my eardrums with a hammer. It was it was ridiculous. And I, we, were, we were kind of, um, Adam was on after us, and we were just kind of taking our equipment away. And... I walked in front of Adam's monitor and I froze like a, a rabbit in the headlamps or something like that. I actually was so shocked at how loud it was that I, I froze in place. And Adam actually turned round and was like, you silly bastard, and pushed me. Okay. Uh, and yeah, yeah, at first I thought, what's he playing at? That's my pal, what's he doing? Uh, what a dick. And then I was like, actually, he just saved me from getting deafened, like, hey, because he could see that I was practically paralyzed with how, how, how loud it was and he kind of pushed me out of the way and apparently that's his thing he, he has to turn it up so loud that he can actually fucking feel it or hear it or whatnot because he, he has hearing problems anyway there was a couple of kind of gigs like that where you know I actually went out into the crowd after that and I was like this is uncomfortable I don't, I don't actually like this uh, this isn't you know listening to music this is this is being being abused you know yeah. what I mean this is this is being punished uh, and maybe the audience are putting up with it because they're all drunk or they're on drugs or something but this is just not for me mm-hmm. and I was finding that quite a lot of gigs I was like this is just too loud uh, and I actually I want to make music I, I need my ears I need them to function I don't want to be deaf I don't want to get tinnitus and I kind of found that over the years I was gravitating to the back you know yeah. like the old guys up the back with our hoods on, nodding away, you know. Uh, that that was me. And yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, totally. No, yeah. Here we come from. I mean, I guess that brings you on to field recording, which mm-hmm. I found as a kind of like a nice antidote to that whole sort of thing. You know, it's something. Yeah, it's yeah, something, it's, it's the same but different. You know, it's like still, you know, you're familiar with recording and microphones and stuff, but. So it's just a different world and a different approach. So it's yeah. you know, it's, it's similar but different. And, um, I think so. It, and and I think field recording is quite a wholesome thing as well in that it, it helps you reconnect with maybe what it is that you're trying to say with music in the first place. So this is something, again, that I kind of, um, you know, certainly from the sorts of music that I've been involved in uh, and, and and I've been involved in all kinds of different types of music, but I guess the, the main thing, this kind of hard kind of techno thing, um, you know, if you kind of ask yourself, what is it that people are trying to say with this? Because, you know, there can be some uh, powerful rhythmic-induced emotions, and it can be quite, um, you know, it's good for a stress relief, you know, if you feel like beating your chest and 
maybe the world's got too much for you. You can just dance around and stuff like that. And, that, and that's all great. I mean, I, I wouldn't have done it for so long uh, if I didn't find something uh, good about it. But sometimes I just kind of ask myself, well, what, what exactly is this? At, at the moment, I've maybe listened to too much of it. And to me, it's just become gibber. It's just become noise. Mm-hmm. And I need to go and reconnect with something else. And uh, I kind of ask myself, well, what, what, what am I doing with music? Am I trying to tell a story? Am I trying to... Uh, appreciate something what what is it that's that's going on with it and i think field recording is a good way of just saying okay well actually i'm just going to listen for a while because that's the first thing that got me into music and sound was just the act of listening mm-hmm. uh and the art of making field recordings is a very good way of uh refining your ability to to listen and tuning your ears in a slightly mm-hmm. in a slightly different way it's, um, it's a sort of meditation isn't it I found. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. Just sort of, yeah. Zone in or zone out, whatever way you want to look at it. Yeah. I, th- I think it's it's also a way of. So as I say, I, I've been doing a lot of mix engineer stuff, and I've also been teaching. One of the exercises that we would often do is we would take them the students to a local park, and we just sit in a circle, uh, close our eyes, and just listen for a while and then it would be like, right, what did you hear? Uh, well, I heard a bus going from left to right coming from over there. Uh, I had a plane flying over north to south. So we, like, I think for me, field recordings on top of being a meditation and a, a way to reconnect, it's also a really good listening exercise and a good training exercise mm-hmm. um, if you can pick out these different frequencies and then apply that to, right, okay, what am I hearing? Bass, drums, lead guitar uh you know how is how is this mix working um it definitely makes a huge difference i think uh, and it's something that students have come back to me and said look my since doing just listening exercises my mix downs have got better exponentially you know Mm. you can really hear that hear the difference um so it's really really good idea to do that sort of thing I, i couldn't couldn't recommend it more for you know many many different reasons it's a it's a good thing to do mm, totally, totally so what's the um, what's the stuff you're working on now then there's um you posted something on facebook the other day the the beach sound sort of soundscape projects that you're working yeah. on at the moment so i kind of been doing that for for work really and um, we've got 170 odd uh young people with various disabilities who at the moment are completely isolated. What, what um, organisation is that again? So it's a, an organisation called UPMO or Upwards Mobility. Upwards Mobility. Mm-hmm. So kind of one of the unique selling points of UPMO is that uh, we do it all. So our support workers are our creative people. So we've got a lot of kind of people that are able to look after people's welfare, but also deliver um, creative opportunities for them as well, um, which is is quite a cool thing. Um, So long story short, we're uh, finding that um, making YouTube videos uh, in the same sort of style as we would run a workshop uh, is giving them a really good opportunity to connect with our faces and uh, you know, hear our voices, and that's giving uh, some of our students a sense of security and well-being and normality. Um, and given that my uh, my background is audio production, I've been churning out different soundscapes uh, for them. 
uh, and combining that with video footage as well. Like I've, I've, I live right next to the beach. Uh, so every day I go out for an hour and I can record the waves and all of that kind of good stuff mm-hmm. and put it together into audio-visual kind of stuff. And that's gone down really well. Um, people are finding it quite calming, quite soothing. And I'm finding that quite a good thing as well. I mean, to go back to kind of where I was with techno over the past few bit, I was starting to kind of find, particularly in the scene that I've been part of, it's all GABA now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's unnecessarily hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like r- rave music. I like pretty hard techno music, but I just don't like all this kind of insane kind mm-hmm. of gibber stuff like, hey, um, and I really got disconnected with the, with the crowd, each to their own. If people mm-hmm. want to enjoy that, then that's up to them. But that just does not work for me. Um, so this has been quite a good way of me kind of like finding a kind of outlet for my creativity as well. Uh, in that I actually have got more, I guess, empathy for the people that I'm trying to connect with mm-hmm. uh, through that through that sounds, you know. Um, and it's, it's definitely uh, something that I've, that I've enjoyed doing and had some really nice feedback on. Um, so, yeah, I've been working on quite quite a lot of that. Cool. All right, well, keep up the good work, and I'll, um, yeah, we'll speak soon. Nice one, brother. Nice one. Take care right, now, take okay? Easy. Yeah, you too. Cheers.